This episode of The Winding Stairs is brought to you in part by Masonic Revival. High-quality products created by a mason for masons. To find some of the best examples of Masonic ties, bow ties, pins, and more, visit MasonicRevival.com. You have arrived at The Winding Stairs, a program dedicated to Masonic education and the art of self-improvement. I am your host, Juan Sepulveda, a professional artist and master mason, 32nd degree of the ancient and accepted Scottish Rite and Freemasonry. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Winding Stairs. I'm your host, Juan Sepulveda. Today we continue the conversation three episodes in a row. You might say, well, this is a broken record. Okay, enough with the one-day classes. No, I think this is so important to the continued growth of our fraternity. Well, to the reversal of the trend of decline. That it is important that we know not just what we feel about it, not just the history about it, but also the numbers. On today's episode of The Winding Stairs, episode 39, I speak with Brother John Rourke. Brother John, as you may know, put together a survey, a comprehensive survey to try to get a pulse of what's happening in the fraternity today, to understand a little bit better in a quantifiable manner what is happening with the fraternity, with membership, with participation, with the decline of membership. We want to have understanding that is not just colored by our bias and by our experience, but a more honest, a more empirical way to look at what's happening in our fraternity. Uh, some of the things that Brother John has found in this survey have been eye-opening and should be considered in planning for the future of our fraternity. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation with Brother Rourke on The Winding Stairs. All right, John, thank you so much for being here with me and agreeing to have a, a little conversation about one-day conferrals. Uh, thank you again, brother. It's my pleasure. Glad to be here. Uh, I thought about you when, when I was thinking about putting together this episode for various reasons. You are a brother who is in the midst of it all, uh, dealing with the new generation of Masons that is coming through. And... You're, you have your hands uh, right there on the pulse. You're, you have access to a big number of brothers, especially with an initiative that you started earlier this year uh, or last year. When did you start the survey? It was early, early this spring. It was right after the March Pennsylvania Academy of Masonic Knowledge. Exactly. So for the, the brothers that don't know, uh, John put together a very thorough survey trying to get the status of masonry today, trying to understand and ask the questions uh, that are important for us as Masonic leaders to, to make decisions. So uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about the survey, how did, how did people respond to, to your initial uh, inquiry into participation into the, the survey? So actually, we had a great response. We had uh, over 2,000 responses, and uh, many people were very candid with, with their responses. 
Um, so I'm currently going through the data right now. I am, will, am proud to announce that I'll be culling together a presentation for um, the uh, Mid-Atlantic Convocation of Academic Lodges on October 1st in the DC area. And so I'll be rolling out the first packaged uh, presentation on this data. So I'm going through the data now, but I do have some very unique and, and one-of-a-kind uh, hot-off-the-press type of uh, data to show for you tonight based off of the concept of one-day classes. That's very exciting because, of course, we have a hunch and we have stories. We have all this anecdotal uh, evidence, if, if you want to call it that, for why ODCs are good or not. But we have numbers now. I, I thank you for putting together that. I know it was a lot of work, but it. I think this is one of those I think this is one of those initiatives that really will have an impact on our fraternity and beyond just inspiring brothers to to do things as you do through the Masonic Roundtable and through Period Lux. Putting together a survey like this has the potential of really making real changes in the fraternity. So I, I thank you for that. I'm, I'm very excited about it. Right. Well, thank you. And, and part of it was was driven out of a passion of looking at the numbers before. So a little bit of a plug for back in March, the presentation I gave then in Pennsylvania was looking at our membership numbers as a whole. And I came to the observation of looking at Ohio's one day class in 2002 and what effect that had on the craft as it relates to Ohio's membership numbers. And you can go back and watch that. And, and the punchline is I concluded that the one day classes have no long-term effects on membership retainment. Uh, they are a temporary solution to a long-term problem. And so I had data to show to back that up. And the survey kind of gets into a little bit of the why behind that, where I actually interviewed real Masons um, and asked them questions like, how long did it take between your degrees and how long did it take before you join an independent body to get some actual data to dig in a little bit further? Excellent. And for those who, who might not know, the Ohio event that, that John is talking about is that they had a Grand Lodge sponsored one day conferral that brought together, was it 8,000 or more? Yeah, 7,700 Masons in one day. So could you imagine one day only putting people not just through the entered apprentice degree, entered apprentice degree, fellow craft, and master Mason in one day? And of course, at the moment, I would imagine it would have felt like a victory. We have 8,000 new brothers right now. But then when you look ahead a year, two years, well, now it's what, 14 years later, where did they go? They're out. So Exactly. That's what the data says. So mm -hmm. it might have felt great at the moment, but the data shows that it's not an effective way. Mm -hmm. So uh, I, I asked... John to to come on the show because not only is he a brother but he loves data and he loves numbers and to have those two those two qualities is very important because it's not just how we feel it's what we know and I want to start with a few of the questions regard specifically about one day conferrals are one day conferrals completely a bad idea or is there a merit to them Sure. So I think that 
as with most things in masonry, uh, there's really no such thing as a dumb idea. It's how you execute them and how you you learn from that. And I'm a big fan of experiential learning and experiential masonry in the sense that we need to try new things uh, to see if we can get the return on the investment uh, in whatever endeavor that might be. In this case, you know, in the in the late 90s, we had the um, the concept of one day conferrals come in. And so I think that it, it accomplishes certain goals. It does have merit in the sense that um, it, it has measurable results and that um, it definitely has an impact on growth in the fraternity. Um, but what you, we need to do further investigation of the long-term effects um, and, and the execution of those. Uh, repeating them um, just because the next grandmaster comes in and you know his predecessor before him did one is not a good reason. It, it may be a reason, but it's not a good reason to uh, to repeat uh, similar efforts. Yeah, just because that's how we did it in my year is never right. <laughs> that's never the right answer, right? Uh, so there's, there's no such thing as a bad idea. It just needs to be scrutinized and, and apply critical thinking that we're taught as Masons to apply. So I wanted to ask you, um, first of all, what, what would be a reason uh, or a circumstance in which offering the one-day conferral would be, would be a good idea? Sure. Um, so for those who are well-tuned into and appreciate the initiatic experience that Freemasonry gives, um, abbreviating that or cutting quarters in any way um, would really best be done in unusual circumstances. And some of the examples I can think of would be where a candidate for masonry has certain unusual circumstances, such as he's in the military and he's about to deploy. In that case, there, there may not be enough time, according to the average time in his lodge, for him to progress through the degrees. And if he really wants to uh, get his third degree before he goes out in the field and wants to join you know, lodges overseas and while he's deployed, um, that certainly could be uh, a charitable thing that the lodge could do. Um, and exist, uh, in addition to that, medical issues as well. If we have brethren who, and I'm not, I'm not talking quite so much about the making masons at sight, like we've seen grandmasters in Maryland do recently, where a brother is on his deathbed literally and and needs to at what wants to progress in masonry before he passes on to the celestial lodge. Um, but there may be times where um, medical issues may may make it necessary that you wish to accelerate uh, the progression in order to get the full benefits of masonry. Um, at, at this point, uh, I'll actually like to interject with an anecdote. Again, I, I'm not a fan of anecdotes because it's a single data point where I'd like to look at big data. However, I think this one hits pretty close to home for me because I, I do personally know a brother who was receiving the degrees in masonry, got his entered apprentice degree. And shortly after getting his entered apprentice degree and working on his catechism, his daughter was diagnosed with leukemia. Oh. And um, obviously that hit him very hard um, in his attention and his, his focus. Um, even if he had you know, the time to commit back to lodge, his, his brain is not on that matter, right? His mm -hmm. brain is on, is on taking care of his family. So, he rightfully said, I, I need to take some time off from masonry. Uh, so the lodge would continue to check in with him uh, while he was 
quote unquote away uh, until it came up time for Virginia's uh, grandmaster to introduce a one day class here in Virginia. And the lodge offered that to him and said, Hey, well, you know, we, we know you're an entered apprentice now. However, we can help you get through those other two degrees so you can become a, a master mason due to your unusual circumstances. And we can do the, the work later as far as catechisms and making sure you're proficient, right? But this is it's kind of a boost, a shot in the arm to help you just get over that, that hurdle that's right in front of you because you're a good man, you're doing it, you're trying to do the right thing. And this is, this is an alternative uh, that, that's best used in this case. To which he did, he took that offer attended the one day class, uh, got all three degrees in one day and has since become not only active in his lodge, but an officer in his lodge. That's great. The winding stairs Freemasonry podcast is sponsored in part by Masonic revival. I have seen many Masonic ties in the market, but the tie selection from Masonic revival is among the best out there. I am sure you have seen some poorly designed ties with poor construction and materials. Not these ties. Brother Edgar has an impeccable sense of style and he has put it to the service of the craft. In addition to elegantly designed ties, Brother Edgar has a collection of bow ties and complimentary pocket squares that will round up your look. If you have been looking for beautiful, high quality Masonic apparel, look no further. Visit MasonicRevival.com. That's that's a that's a very good that's a very good story. And even though it's just one data point, uh, it is important that we also put a human uh, perspective to it, especially right. with so much animosity that we sometimes see online with brothers that perhaps disagree with the procedure of one day conferrals. Uh, we're talking about real people, like those eight thousand people that we talked about in Ohio. Uh, granted, many of them might have moved on from masonry but masonry might be an important part of their lives now uh but you know let's not go down that road i i'd rather not see eight thousand people go through this process and and i don't think that any grand lodge at this point in time is really enamored with this idea i don't think we we will see something like this at at that scale again uh i think it's a matter of time before we see it less and less mm-hmm. um now, we have a very good anecdote with with that brother, and and I hope that you know his child was able to to recover well, and you know we'll have them. Yes, excellent. That's very good to hear. But there might be some horror stories when it comes to one day conferrals. Do you have you heard of any specific anecdotes in regards to uh, one day conferrals gone wrong? Again, from from personal experience, uh, I, w- I do know of lodges in our district that that have guys that are signed up to join the one day class, and then, which after becoming a, a master mason that way, really don't become active anymore in the lodge and fall off off after that. Um, but as far as the process itself goes, I think it is interesting, and I'm really not trying to pick on Pennsylvania, but <laughs> Pennsylvania this year will be doing a one day Masonic journey on Saturday, October 29th, 2016. And unfortunately 
their process includes appendant bodies as well. Uh, so according to their schedule of events, you can start an, your journey as an entered apprentice at 8.05 in the morning. And by 4.45 p.m., um, an entered apprentice, a fellow craft, a master mason, join York Rite, join Scottish Rite, and join the Shrine. Oh my all God. before it. Oh, my God. <laughs> so I, I think this is, it's, it's an idea. There's no such thing as bad ideas as long as we're tracking how well they, they work. However, you know, we've taken this, this concept of three degrees in one day and have, have even bolted on top of that. And again, the data shows that the, the, we can't measure specifically, um, you know, master masons aren't labeled, are they one dayers or not, right? So that's the worst part about da data statistics from each Grand Lodge. When we see membership numbers fall off or non-payment of dues, deaths, and that kind of thing, we don't have any data that captures, were they a one day or not, mm -hmm. right? So everything you're going to get um, until there's a, a system set up is going to be anecdotal. But um, if you look at the bulk of them and measure them through time like we did with Ohio, when you see the fall off of membership, of non-payment of dues or, or just flat out demitting, What's the value added in bolting on the, the appendant bodies as well, right? And I, I, I'm not as cynical to think as some people think online that this is a, a race to collect money. Mm -hmm. um, that, that, oh, we're just doing one-day conferrals at Grand Lodge level to get, to get dues-paying members. Just get them in the door, right? Boost, boost profit. Um, especially if you look at the long-term effects. In fact, the, I did track the membership numbers across uh, 15 years' worth of data across 15 states. And the impact of one-day classes has, was very flat in the long run of initiations. So it really didn't make a difference either way mm -hmm. if a Grand Lodge did a one-day class or not. In the, the greater collective of American masonry, the number of initiates remained relatively flat. So it's not a boost for profits. Mm -hmm. it's, it's an attempt. It's, a, it's an effort to try and boost uh, interest and, and execution of the craft. So the variable of one-day classes is not the determining factor upon the increase or decrease of participation and membership and retention and all that. It's there's just no, there's no data to show that. Yeah, there doesn't seem to be a correlation between the classification of one-day class uh, brothers, let's call them, and any fluctuation in retention and membership. Mm -hmm. And that that shines light into something that we can't ignore. There is a different variable. There must be something else that is keeping us flatlining. Or, well, uh, we wish at this point that we were flatlining, but we are <laughs> we're decreasing. Uh, just as a guess, an informed guess, what would you say one of those variables is that is causing our numbers to go down? other than attrition by death. Right, sure. Uh, so it, it all comes back to retention. Uh, as, I, as I said in March, we don't have a membership problem, we have a retention problem. So that really, I didn't bring up any variable of we have a retention of one dayers or we have a retention of long formers. Um, we have a retention problem, period. Um, so that's that variable is a big variable and affects all master masons. 
Um, so while a one day class is a tool, um, it's, it's a tool that's trying to fix the wrong problem. Hmm. One thing that, that I do in executive coaching is try to figure out what is the problem we're trying to solve, right? Um, because you can, if all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail and we need to stop using the hammer for everything. Uh, to solve other systemic problems or chronic problems we may have in the craft. So if retention is one of the the fundamental issues, then we really need to start actively engaging the craft uh, before they demit, before they they stop paying their dues and figure out what are you not getting? Right? Mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a simple value proposition. Mm -hmm. if, if they're paying for something, um, and it's again, it's not it's not a, a financial payment. If that, let's just take. I'm not saying dues for profit. I'm just saying, if they're investing their time, their effort, their energy into lodge, mm -hmm. and they're not receiving a return on that investment, then we need to find out why. And that that can only be done at the individual lodge level, the grand lodge level, um, to make a concerted effort of after they come in through the door. What next? And, and instead of us sitting back and waiting for Freemasonry to change and for this trend to just completely uh, reverse, uh, for the brothers that are listening who are in a leadership position within a lodge, a district, it is important that you take it upon yourself to, to take this step. I think it's a very good step, uh, even for, let's say, brothers that you've lost. Let's say people that got kicked out for non-payment of dues. Okay, you couldn't get the brother to commit to the dues, make sure that they commit to giving you an answer. Why did they leave? Uh, so if you can put together some sort of exploratory committee that can try to get a hold of brothers that have been dropped for non-payment non of dues, or because I think it would be difficult to, to, to reach out to people who are ready to leave. Uh, this is something that the people that have left might have that answer for you right there. So for the brothers that are listening, if you can find a way to establish this exploratory committee that finds out why are they leaving? Why did they leave? What are they not getting? What's perhaps uh, interfering with their personal life or their business life? Something, there has to be a concrete answer. And after we do enough exit interviews, let's call them, we should have some variables that we can then act upon and make real steps, uh, establish steps to reverse the the trend. So I, I hope that brothers take this into heart and and try to find what the what the answers are. So now for the brothers that are already members of the fraternity who are one day class brothers, what does the lodge need to do in order to prevent them from being a casualty, for them, for them to become just non-payment uh, brothers that l get out of masonry because they're not paying their dues, how can a lodge take care of these brothers after they've gone through the one-day class? Sure. I think um, one aspect that's not really considered much in one-day classes is uh, the the fact of mentorship, and we've talked about mentorship, and you've talked about membership on your show. Um, that that is really a critical element of grasping the concept of mason masonry and and having that fraternal bond. So, um, although in, in my research, looking across multiple states and jurisdictions, the the concept of post 
degree mentorship is implied, highly suggested, but not enforced, right? Um, what gets measured gets done. And so if you had a, a tweak to, to the one-day class process that we have today across most jurisdictions, um, where we, we, we hand them off and we hand them off like a new puppy to the lodge. And as with all new puppies, you know, it, it's free like a puppy in the sense that, great, now I got to take care of it. I got to feed it. I got to clean up after it. <laughs> and I'm not saying it in a negative way. I'm just saying it that more, there's more work to be done after this brother becomes a master mason. Mm -hmm. And so um, instead of deferring that, delegating that down to uh, the individual lodge level, the Grand Lodge was the one that sponsored the one day class event, the Grand Lodge should also be responsible for at least the preparation of a, a Grand Lodge sponsored mentor. That's my suggestion. I like that. That way you, you ensure continuity uh, both before, during and after the one day class process. It, it, like, again, it's unfair to dump those responsibilities off to the lodge and hope for the best. Um, you could argue whether that's too far reaching um, of the Grand Lodge and should be left at the lodge level. Um, but with, with suggestions are great. Um, enforcement's a, a little bit better when we, when we have something as critical as the, the care and feeding of a new brother. That's, that's very good. And, and I, I would, I would add that at the very least, the Grand Lodge would have to put something more than just a, a call to more Masonic education in the lodge. Uh, perhaps some structure like what the Scottish Rite has done with the VMAP. I think that's a good initiative because it it has a very structured program to help the brothers that have gone through a Scottish Rite festival. Then now they can go and after drinking from the from the fire hose, as I say, that weekend, now they can pace themselves and get together in smaller groups with brothers and try to really dig deep into the meaning of the lessons of each degree. So at the very least, a structure like that um, would, would be, would be helpful for those brothers. I love that. Absolutely. Now I wanted to, to point out uh, all the brothers from the Masonic round table. We've been very involved in the, the winding stairs Freemasonry group on Facebook, and we are getting close to, what, 6,500, I think, members. And in addition to memes and jokes, every now and then we have some really profound conversations. And one that happened recently, which is what inspired this conversation, was a, a very broad question that I asked through an illustration. What do you think about one-day conferrals? What I didn't really expect was the division that came from it. I thought that the focus was going to be on whether I agreed with one day conferrals or not, but it became a, a division between brothers where you had some brothers that went the traditional way and had one degree at a time showing some sort of animosity against the brothers who went through a one day conferral. Like, there seems to be a very negative feeling there. A, almost like a resentment, like you should go the right way, don't be lazy. And there were a lot of attacks. So I would like to hear from you if you have thought about any ways in which this kind of sentiment can be curbed and something, if you can offer something to the brothers that are having this negative uh, feelings towards the one-day conferrals, 
what would be the Masonic thing for them to keep in mind? Absolutely. And when in doubt, we kind of go back to the ritual and I'm not going to give any ritualistic answers, but I will ask every master Mason listening to this episode, what makes you a master Mason? And if you know the answer to that, then it doesn't matter how you got to that answer. Um, the answer is still the same, right? So what makes you a master Mason? That um, it is a, an equal leveler across all brothers. And so if you can answer that honestly, then that should, should take this whole issue of one day class, short form catechism, long form catechism, any other variable um, off the table. Another thing that I'm reminded of, and, and with my Christian faith, if I go back to Matthew 20, uh, where Jesus talks about the parable of the, uh, the person who has laborers working out in the field, and where he pays labor, uh, the, the parable, uh, the farmer pays laborers um, a wage as they work through the day, and he brings them more laborers later in the day and later in the day, and even an hour before nighttime, he pays them all the exact same wage. Sure. Now, in, in this concept, he's talking about the kingdom of heaven is open to anybody, even at the last minute, <laughs> right? Um, so if you think about applying it to masonry, that it doesn't matter if you came through in 1947, it doesn't came, matter if you came through the long form, it doesn't matter if you came through the short form, it doesn't matter if you came through one day. Um, you are a regular and accepted master mason by your grand jurisdiction. So as long as the Grand Lodge says you're legit, you're legit. There's really no ifs, ands, or buts about that. Um, so when, when you combine those two things of what makes you a Master Mason, and if your dues card says the same thing as everyone else's, there there should be no issue. Yeah. Right? Emotions should be off the table at this point. That's, that's very <laughs> but good. But we know <laughs> So when you say that we're, we meet on the level, we, you mean it? We do meet on the level? <laughs> That's why we have so many of them. Yeah. <laughs> All these <laughs> levels you can get. <laughs> now, I've always had the inclination that the time that it took for me to go from entered apprentice to fellow craft and from fellow craft to master mason, that that time, in a sense, was a little too short for me. Uh, and for me, it was just a few months. And, and I felt that way because... There is so much information within each degree that you can not just learn, but apply to your life that I thought, okay, if, if I just let one lunar cycle go through and then apply for the next, uh, what we, well, we say in Spanish, the increase of wages, if, if we apply to move to the next degree, is that enough time? And I felt that it wasn't enough time. Now, the beauty of numbers is that we can have some concrete answers to some of these questions. Uh, in, in your survey, you had some questions regarding how long it took brothers to go through the degrees, uh, how long it took brothers to, after finishing, uh, after being raised to the sublime degree of Master Mason, how long did it take them to move on to appendant bodies? So I know you have some hot off the press numbers that I am dying to hear about this uh about this topic so if you could tell me a little bit about the question that you asked and the surprising results that you that you received sure brothers and friends you're hearing this first right here on 
the winding stairs, that the questions were structured in a certain way for the survey that they could be sliced and diced. And um, although I did capture uh, what was the average length of time for each person uh, to go through entered apprentice to fellow craft, fellow craft to master mason, I didn't really ask what they felt was the appropriate time. However, I did ask from becoming a master mason to joining a dependent body was did you feel that or how long did that take to join your first dependent body after becoming a master mason and did you feel that that was too fast too slow or just right uh, the the goldilocks question right <laughs> um so i had data for that and the beauty of that is especially as it relates to what pennsylvania is doing with immediately throwing the dependent bodies in the afternoon of the one day uh, class now we can actually see with data what are people feeling is the right amount of time uh, with large data uh, between becoming master mason and joining an appendant body. So no, it's it's not quite answering the, the exact question, but it's related. And here's here's what the data says: for those who thought that um, the time length was too short for, to join an appendant body, the average time frame for those people was one year. Now, we've said that on, on the Masonic Roundtable that we recommend, at a minimum, people wait at least a year after becoming a Master Mason uh, to join an appendant body. And yet those surveyed said even that they felt was too short, was too quick to join something else, to get more light in masonry. Um, okay, so let's look at the opposite side. For those who waited a long time to join an appendant body, what was the average time for that? And, and did they feel that was too long? So looking at the people who felt that it, they waited too long to join an dependent body was an average of eight years wow. after joining, after becoming a master Mason. So you become a master Mason and you don't join anything else for eight years. Then the majority of those people on an average of eight years or, or greater thought that's eh, probably too long. So I'm looking now for the, the baby bear, the, the Goldilocks question. What is the just right? What's the sweet spot? Uh, of those surveyed, those who found that they felt it was just right, the right amount of time after becoming a Master Mason, joining an independent body, was 22 months. Or about two years wow. after after becoming a Master Mason was the, was the sweet spot, was just right um, to get it, get more light in masonry. Now you no longer have to wonder, what is the Goldilock section of time necessary for a brother to continue moving forward in his Masonic search for light? And it is 22 months. With that in mind, I encourage you to use the hashtag 22 months on all of your Masonic related posts on social media so that we can track the conversation and we can continue engaging and inquiring for the the real reasons behind participation membership and lack thereof thank you for joining me on this episode i hope that you found it enlightening and edifying if you did please let us know uh, and one of the things that you can do is to share it with brothers if you found this information useful i think this is good for lodge officers to know for grand lodge officers to know uh, to have better numbers related to what makes brothers remain in in uh, energetic and participate uh, participating spirit 
So make sure that sh- to share this episode with them. As always, I want to thank Billy Mace the Third for letting us use some of his amazing music that you heard here on this episode. If you want to hear the entire collection, I invite you to visit infinitethird.com. Special thanks again to Masonic Revival, Brother Edgar, with the impeccable designs that he has available there. Make sure to go to MasonicRevival.com and say thank you for making The Winding Stairs possible with his contribution to the show. I also encourage you to listen to the episode of The Masonic Roundtable, where Brother John Rourke will be revealing even more information about the great survey that he put together. That's an episode of The Masonic Roundtable that you don't want to miss. Uh, A lot of surprises coming up there, and we want you to hear them there first. Finally, I wanted to invite you to join our YouTube community. The Winding Stairs is proud to share new videos now on a regular basis, and we will be sharing some exclusive content, Masonic education content that you can only find on our YouTube channel. So we encourage you to go to youtube.com forward slash The Winding Stairs, where you can find a lot of the new videos that we will be releasing in 2016 and 2017. Uh, We have very exciting things planned for that channel, and we want you to be a part of it. Again, we're grateful for your listenership and hope that you continue to walk with us as we continue our journey up the winding stairs.